Chuckin' It From The Cheap Seats is the newest podcast covering Indiana high school basketball. Head coach Josh Thompson interviews some of the most impactful people who make Hoosier hysteria great. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Subscribe to Chuckin' It From The Cheap Seats wherever you listen to your podcasts. Chuckin' It From The Cheap Seats is brought to you by Shootaway. Offering products like 12K series guns proven by time and again by the nation's top school and college coaches slash programs. For special pricing discounts, contact Bruce Helt at 317-767-5543 or go to shootaway.com. For over 32 years, D1 Basketball has offered elite basketball camps and top-tier player development programs. Team camps, individual skills camps, shooting camps, we improve performance, period. Few Indiana basketball camps impact performance like D1 basketball. Since 1989, annual enrollment in D1 basketball has grown from 80 to 3,500 players, making it one of the largest independent basketball organizations in the Midwest. The mission of D1 basketball is to help coaches and players maximize their performance. D1 basketball facts. D1 basketball camps are exclusively endorsed by the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. D1 team camps has hosted more sectional championship teams, Final Four teams, and Indiana All-Stars than any other camp, shootout, or summer tournament. D1 team camps provide the best chance for a school's coach to work with all their teams against top-flight competition from throughout the Midwest. Chucking It From The Cheap Seats is also brought to you by BSN Sports and Jeff Neal, their sales rep. Shop BSN Sports for a large selection of sports apparel and footwear, custom and stock Nike team uniforms, and sports equipment for your next winning season. Contact Jeff Neal at 812-204-3808 or visit bsnsports.com. Well, welcome to this week's episode of checking it from the cheap seats with me coach Thompson and this week we are joined uh, by a little bit of a different type of person we've, we've been interviewing coaches uh, from around the state but one of the things that we set out to do with this podcast is interview people who are influential uh, to Indiana basketball and uh, we are joined this week by someone who has had a huge impact on, on basketball in the state of Indiana from the broadcast side of things, and we are joined this week by Greg Rakestraw. Greg, thanks for being on uh, this morning with us. My pleasure, Coach. Happy to do it. Well, um, when when I got this podcast started, um, you know, your people reached out to my people, which basically means you sent me a, a message on Twitter and said, hey, I'll be on your podcast uh, uh, sometime down the road. And I told Mike DeCourcy, our media guy here, and like, and Mike goes, you need to have him on right now, right now. <laughs> so, so we're we're really pumped about you being on um, with us today, Greg. One of the things, well, one of the things that we always do um, here on the Checking It from the Cheap Seats podcast um, for folks that may not know you uh, as well as Mike and I do, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you went from a young man uh, that graduated from Lanesville High School. To where you are now with ISC Network? Uh, that's a long answer. That might take up the entire podcast right there. Um, you know, Lanesville will always be home to me. Uh, I am a son of Southern Indiana. Mm-hmm. I briefly lived in both Florida and Alabama as a kid. Okay. But the entire, I mean, like before like the age of three or four. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the entirety of my school days were spent in Harrison County, in Franklin Township. Um, and, and proud graduate 1994 of Lanesville High School. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up going to school at the University of Indianapolis and never left town, basically, yeah. uh, including for my career. So I have now been doing uh, broadcast things, uh, a lot of play-by-play, hosting and talk shows, running radio stations, running television stations, etc., now for over 25 years. So I was lucky enough to go to school at the University of Indianapolis. We had a tremendous campus radio station that was run like a professional operation. Uh, That allowed me the chance to work part-time in in professional radio while I was a college student. 
I actually got offered a full-time job in the Indianapolis market at the original sports radio station in town, Sports Radio 1260 WND. I worked there part-time for two years. Uh-huh. I got offered a job a month before I graduated. Um, so when I, when I can tell people that I literally left college early to go to the pros, I'm not lying. <laughs> um, I, I, I had to drop about eight or nine hours of class. And so I had to go back and do a victory lap, uh, mm-hmm. kind of the summer semester after, uh, I got my diploma. And so when I went through graduation, I got a, I got a, I got a sleeve, not an actual diploma. Okay. And there was, a, there was a nice asterisk by my name. <laughs> I had told my mom, I had not told my dad. It was mom's job to tell dad. My, yeah. my fiance at the time, who has been my wife for the last 22 and a half years, saw this moment play out at Nickerson Hall where my dad is scrolling through the graduation program, <laughs> sees the asterisk, realizes what it was and like elbows my mom and points and says, Joanne, what is this? <laughs> and I, say, Thanks, mom. I appreciate that. My dad passed away in 2013. And like once a year, I would occasionally get a question. Son, did you really graduate from college? And the answer is yes, that I did. It's just, I ended up going to school for a major where it's almost like the education is secondary. They wanted to see where you were. They wanted to hear you tape. They wanted to know what you, what you did. But much like I'm a proud graduate of Lanesville, I'm a very proud graduate of the University of Indianapolis, even if my, my father questioned that until God bless him is dying. <laughs> well, that, that, that's a great story. And uh, I can just I can see all that playing out, like you said, and your, your dad just uh, opening up that program and wondering what the heck have I spent all my money on over the last three or four years. <laughs> well, you, you, Josh, you'll get a kick out of this. So, you know, my, my dad was not afraid to question things. Mm-hmm. And this this even go refers to I wouldn't call it a Lanesville Bar Reed rivalry because you guys never let us win. You know, you'd won every time that we have played in the postseason. Yeah. But this is this would be uh, during Brian's days of coaching the team. Yes. I want to say 2010 or 2011 uh, regional final that uh-huh. would have been played at Lagodi. Yeah, and Dad, Dad was like, "Son, you need to see the tape of this game because uh, I was, I'm sure I was doing a college game or I was doing a high school game or I was somewhere. I could not make it down to Lagodi for the regional final, uh-huh. and so he's like." The rest put it to us, son. Uh, you need to talk to your friends at the IHSA about this. You know, <laughs> like, like he's sending me, like, 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 like Mike Miller. You know very well. You know, I'm like Michael. Give me a copy of the game tape so I can see this. Yeah, lots and of I respect to, for Coach Miller. Exactly, me too. And I had, I had to explain to Dad. I'm like, no, Dad. They just didn't attack a two tree zone very well. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but, the officials had nothing to do with this. Lanesville spent too much time trying to literally chuck it from the cheap seats and pass the ball back and forth <laughs> from 30 feet away. Yeah, yeah, not attacking that zone inside out. But, right. you know, Greg, one of the things that, that I learned about you from Jeff Doyle, our principal, who's on the IHSA board uh, and was quite the tennis player himself in high school um, and continues to play a lot of tennis, um, is that you had a pretty good tennis career. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I was, I was fortunate enough to be able to play a, you know, I played three sports in high school. Like everybody else in our neck of the woods, you grew up with a basketball in your hand. Uh-huh. And, and that is the first thing that you play. Um, you know, for me, yes, but, but organized wise, it was baseball was the first thing, you know, that I really played. And then basketball was second. I was always a better baseball player. Yeah. Well, in high school, and again, Bar Reeve largely has the same athletic offerings that Lanesville does, an almost identical size from an enrollment standpoint. Mm-hmm. Much like the Vikings, we don't have football either. Uh, you know, there's a shirt that say, undefeated in football since 1922, never played it down uh, <laughs> at Lanesville High School, but we, we always had a tennis team and had a relatively good tennis program, just like a Bar Reeve, just like a Lagodi. Well, my freshman year, you know, your options are hey, you're going to play tennis. You're going to run cross country or you're going to do basketball conditioning. Uh-huh. Like, okay, what, what can I do that involves the least amount of running? Yeah. That would be, that would be playing tennis. Well, mom and dad, you know, <laughs> got married in the seventies and that meant back in the seventies, you, you bought a wooden racket for something. You may never use it, you know, yeah. but you bought it. We yeah. got a concrete unfinished basement. Uh-huh. I was an only child. 
I would spend hours hitting a tennis ball in our basement. Um, and, and because of that, and you know, like most people, you know, have like an eight foot ceiling kind of the wooden rafters. Um, you know, I learned how to keep a tennis ball very low. Uh-huh. It is where I learned how to hit so much slice from my backhand to keep that ball from elevating. Yeah. So then I start playing tennis and I immediately start playing three singles. Uh-huh. And then by the next year, it's two singles. And by the next year, it's one singles. Uh-huh. And I was fortunate enough that when I went to UND, the primary reason I went to UND is that I was on an academic scholarship. Uh-huh. Um, and so it was a great recruiting tool to be able to walk into a pair of coaches and say, hi, this is my name. I'm on a full academic ride here. I'd like to play a sport. You never owe me a dime. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talked to the baseball coach, it was, hey, we want to come see you play. You need to try out. And then here's all the other things you're going to have to do in terms of like other activities, like, you know, helping raising funds, working part-time, et cetera. And I'm like, I've got to keep a 3-3 GPA to keep my scholarship. I'm yeah. not sure baseball is for me. Uh-huh. I go to play tennis and it is, hey, practice starts August 29th. I'm like, I think this is, I think this is my speed right here. <laughs> uh, I became a tennis player and I quickly realized I was good enough to be on the team, I likely was never going to be a difference maker. Mm-hmm. And so I figured out immediately the best thing that I could do was to be a good teammate. And that the lessons I learned from being a, you know, a, a three sport or two sport athlete in high school, it was, hey, work hard, be the best you can. Uh, and I, I did get to play in the NCAA tournament my junior year. Um, I was right on the very edge, you know, three doubles, six singles. And mm-hmm. in, in college tennis, six singles matches, three doubles matches, you get to play them both. So I, I was the last guy on the active roster in terms of, of making the NCAA tournament. Hey, um, whether you were the first guy or the last guy, you still got to play in the NCAA tournament. The, the, the older we get, the, 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 the better you were, and the more it becomes less about how much you played and just the fact that you were on the team. Um, and I will say this, I was very fortunate my freshman year because this, this last name carries a lot of weight in Davies County. Uh-huh. Two of my teammates I learned a lot from were the Steinle twins, yes. were Blaine and Shane. Oh, uh, yeah. you know, they, they were three years ahead of me, uh, and while they are known for their basketball prowess at Dub C, those guys made a heck of a college doubles team and were really outstanding college soccer players too. Well, like you said, you, you can't talk about WC basketball without talking about the, the Steinle twins. Correct. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough. So, so Lanesville and the one class days, you know, never made, you know, the regional, you know, our, our first sectional championship was 2006 mm-hmm. in, in, in the multi-class era. Yeah. However, Lanesville fed into the Washington regional, despite the fact that, you know, we're an hour and a half away, we were the far Eastern end of that regional. Yeah. And so we would get tickets uh, to just go to the hatchet house. Uh-huh. So I was at the hatchet house when dub C made it in 91 yeah. and won it. Yeah. Um, they played the champ from our sectional peak and Eastern mm-hmm. in that first game. And I'm sitting there thinking, I've been told that Washington Catholic has like an enrollment of a hundred and there's like 3000 people in the hatchet house and they're all chanting go cards. Yeah. I'm like, something doesn't compute here. Uh, so yeah. I loved Like I think I went there for two years. I was there for the 90 regional. And of course I think Jeff Doyle would have been a part of that mm-hmm. and was there for the 91 regional and, uh, and loved going to games at the hatchet house, which is something that as you well know from this year's semi-state, is something I still enjoy 30 years later. Well, and, and it's a great venue, and, and I'm glad that it's a part of the tournament now because back in the single-class days, that was one of the tremendous venues that, that really makes Indiana high school basketball what it is. Uh, before we dig more into athletics and, and more into your involvement with Indiana high school basketball, just tell us a little bit real quick about your family. You talked about how you've been married for 22 years. How were you fortunate enough to meet this gal and talk her into marrying you? Hey, that, that, that is one of life's great mysteries, that's for <laughs> sure. Uh, so, so we were both in school together at the University of Indianapolis. Her name is Amy, uh, uh-huh. and, uh, and, we were, and we did not meet the entirety of our freshman year, which is remarkable, the campus the size of the University of Indianapolis. At the time that we were freshmen there in the mid-'90s, 
probably the total number of people that lived on campus was about a thousand and the total enrollment was about four thousand the total full-time students might have been about two thousand there were four dorms on campus and somehow we did not meet our entire <laughs> freshman year um our sophomore year you know because you know i'm a nerd and she and, and she is too uh you know we were at this academic honors banquet uh, at the start of the year, uh-huh. I noticed this very a- attractive girl wearing, and I, I, I'm always a sucker for chicks wearing hats, always have been. <laughs> and so she's wearing this wonderful hat that has this, I'm like, well, that's a really nice hat. And we start talking. Then about the next day, I, 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 I see that she has moved into my dorm. I somehow got into the jock dorm, New Hall, my freshman year and stayed there my sophomore year. And this was the jock dorm because it was next to the softball field, close to the baseball field. And it had like living rooms, like the three or four different dorm rooms would share. It was by far the, the nicest setup at uni because it was only about five or six years old mm-hmm. at the time. And so I met her because um, I was working the front desk at, at the dorm. And we started talking a little bit more and talking a little bit more. Uh, and, and within a, a couple of months, we ended up going out. Uh, and literally after my first date, I'm like, this is the girl I'm going to marry. And I was almost like halfway upset about it. I'm like, I really would have liked to have met like my future wife, like my junior or senior year, you yeah. know, gone out and had, had a little more fun. <laughs> but I knew immediately, you know, from her outlook on life and the way that we got along and the conversations that we had, I'm like, yeah, this is the one I'm going to marry. And literally two years later, I proposed to her a year and a half after that. Um, we, you know, we were married and, and our kids are, are young for somebody, for people our age. So both Amy and I are in our mid forties and people probably could do that math uh-huh. when I'm you know, referencing what years I graduated and such. Yeah. But my wife has two master's degrees. Okay. So she has a master's degree in physical therapy and she has a master's degree in, in public health. So she is something that a lot of people know a lot more about now than they did about 20 months ago. Mm-hmm. My wife is an epidemiologist. Oh my. So. Yes, yeah, that's a great that's a great reaction to it. You know, since March of twenty twenty, and so people look at me. I'm like, trust me, I'm not the smart one. She is. She, is. she has two master's degrees. You know, I have zero. Um, but uh, our kids are ten and seven. So you probably heard my son in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have to. We don't have to go to school here until nine a.m. Okay. Where we go, uh, because we literally are across the street from a one of the many catholic schools on the north side of town Mm -hmm. so to avoid like bus chaos those kids go at eight they let us heathens not go to school until nine (laughs) o'clock so so you're you're jack in the background that's my son he's in the first grade and my daughter me is in the fifth grade yeah that's awesome well greg um you know you you had mentioned uh all these different things that you have done you know running radio stations running broadcasts all that kind of stuff Tell us a little bit about some of the things that you're doing now and the projects that you're working on, because sometimes I, I kind of feel overwhelmed with running a basketball program, and, and then I look at you and follow you on social media. I'm like, I have no idea how this guy does this. So Sometimes, sometimes they just show up and start talking uh, <laughs> I, I yeah. uh, and, and, and try to wing it and see if I can keep fooling people. Yeah. So the, the, day, the day job is, is I'm the vice president of a company called the ISC Sports Network. Mm-hmm. And what we are is an Indiana sports cable channel, website, app, production company. In other words, if there is a local sporting event that we think there, you know, that, that, that you could make some money off of televising it, or there would be an interest in televising it, uh-huh. or somebody's going to pay us to televise it, we are going to show up. Yeah. Um, and that is why our cameras have been inside that the, the Viking ship, the beautiful new arena that you guys have. Mm-hmm. And we were so honored that you guys would have us down to broadcast the first boys basketball home game uh, against Bloomington South early last December, yeah. and then came back for the HBCA All-Star game at the end of April. And yeah. certainly look forward to many more trips down I-69, as our mutual friend JMB calls it, the Redneck Autobahn, to come <laughs> Redneck, down. Yeah. To Montgomery and, and and do some more broadcasting. That's another um, guy. That's another guy that I need to get on this podcast. He exactly, you know, and, and he's the living definition of chucking from the cheap seats. Believe he, me, he doesn't cross the three point line when he's like. <laughs> so he, he definitely, he, definitely he, is good. Good old Green County guy. Yes, he is from the hills. Uh, you're not, not not even from the city part of Green County, the western side, the no, eastern side no. of, uh, of of Green County. But that's that's the day job, and I have been doing that now for the last three and a half years, and I absolutely love it. And so that takes me to a variety of different places. So, for example, tonight I am doing a doubleheader from IU Kokomo, mm-hmm. and IU Kokomo uses us to showcase. They have a brand new gymnasium yeah. um, that 
you know, because of COVID restrictions, couldn't play in it much last year, really couldn't showcase it. So now they're looking forward to having us there to help publicize and let people know, hey, we've got this great facility on campus to go along with our program that has already made the NAI national tournament in a very short amount of time. Tomorrow night, I'll be at Marion University. They're having us there to uh, televise the semifinals of the Crossroads League Volleyball Championship, of which their team is 30-1 and one of the number one seed. Um, let's see, Thursday night, I actually get a night at home with my family, which is good, uh-huh. because Friday night, um, I will have the sectional championship for Center Grove and Lawrence North um, that we televise locally on MyNDTV23. It'll be on the IHSA Champions Network. And then Saturday afternoon, I will get to do the Monon Bell Classic, oh, the Wombat Football football game. You know, I've first never time that I, I, first I, time I've been there. I've never been to that, and so you said this is the first time that you've been to the Bell game. But but I've always wanted to go to that game. Uh, Greg Dean, a good friend of mine, who's now the head coach at Fountain Central, uh, he graduated from Wabash, and he just always talked about the Bell game and and how awesome that was. So that, that's great that you get an opportunity to do that on Saturday. Yeah, so it's, it's, for no, it is the small college Super Bowl. There will be 10,000 people there. And what's very unique is that DePaul has already wrapped up a conference championship. Okay. And in a normal scenario, you know, they would kind of be like saying, okay, maybe we rest a few guys and you're ready for the playoffs. Uh-huh. You don't do that against your hated rival. No. <laughs> and, 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 and Wabash can't exactly spoil DePaul's season. But at the same time, they can have eternal bragging rights if they win by saying, yeah, you guys made the playoffs, so what? We beat you. Um, and especially knowing that that game was not played last year because yes. of COVID-19. Yeah. It's absolutely massive. So I can't wait to do that. So that's everything that I'm doing for the day job this week. Oh man! Then I get to Sunday, and I get to have one of my really cool side gigs, and that is my involvement with the Indianapolis Colts Radio Network and mm-hmm. doing their preseason games on television. So I get to see Colts and Jaguars. And during the game, for anybody that is gonna, that goes to home games at Lucas Oil Stadium, as long as it's a one o'clock or a four o'clock kickoff on a Sunday, you will hear my voice in the in the building because I do the in-game highlights. Like so, when they're showing red zone highlights from all across the league during the game, I sit in the PA booth uh-huh. and I am literally watching the Colts game. But at the same time, I have a monitor that has four different screens on it right in front of me. One of those is the red zone channel, and the other and one of the one other one of the screens is an editor sitting in a different room, and I have headsets on, and she and I can talk to each other where we're looking for three or four plays every quarter that we can showcase as highlights when we're showing other games from the National Football League. That's cool gig number one. Then after the game is over, myself and Bill Brooks and Barry Krause end up talking about the game for approximately two hours and 45 minutes. We're hearing about 40 radio stations across the state, some in Illinois as well, um, and and taking phone calls and, you know, celebrating after a win, talking people, you know, off the ledge after they lose. (laughs) Um, as, As you have heard me say before, I put in some long hours and, 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 you know, there's, there's a a lot of time that I'm spending away from the family and I try to balance that as best I can. But at the same time, I'm getting paid to go to ball games for a living. So it's not like I have a real job. This is, this is pretty cool thing I get to do. No. And, and that's the thing that, um, you know, I, I talk about with coaching is obviously to me, it's, it's a passion. I love doing what I do and it's extremely rewarding and when you love what you do, it it doesn't even seem like it's really work. It is. You get paid. You get a paycheck. You get to take care of your family with that paycheck. But but it's very re- rewarding. Um, you know, you talked about all these different things, whether it's ISC or these side gigs that you have with the Colts. What are some of your favorite moments? If you could just say, over the years of covering these events, different things that I've been a part of, give us two or three that just really stand out in your mind that you've been a you know, been fortunate to be a part of. Sure. Um, I'll give, I'll give you a couple of Colts memories and I'll give you a couple of, of, of high school memories then on, on top of that. So from a Colts standpoint, um, and, and I was there not in any official capacity, but just kind of as a general media word in the game, but to be in the building the day the Colts won the AFC championship uh-huh. and finally got over that hump of beating the Patriots yeah. and having had their season end to new England the previous three years, and having to do, you know, a talk show the week after those games, 
it was like doing play-by-play of a funeral. Um, <laughs> and the first one wasn't so bad just because, hey, it was the first time they made it. Hey, the, clearly this is the start of something great. That wasn't terrible. You get beat by the same team in 2004 and, 2000, and, and, and then again you lose the Steelers in 2005 in unexpected fashion. Yeah. You know, now we're having a different conversation. Uh-huh. And, and there was not enough alcohol you know, that I could infuse myself with during those shows. <laughs> yeah. You know, to, to make that tolerable. And as I'm sitting there looking at 21-3 before half, I'm like, I can't do these shows. I, I cannot do this again. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and to see the thing, the way that thing turned, and I can still hear the roar and, like, feel it on my skin from that night 15 years ago. And, you know, I, I had gotten close to, to, to Aaron Moorhead that was on that team. He and I had did some radio work together for a couple of years. And we, you know, I, I joked people, I said, Aaron and I hugged twice in his days with the Colts. So there was after the AFC championship game and the day his pension became fully vested from the National Football League. So those were the two days that, that he and I shared an embrace. Uh, and, and so being able to go to the Super Bowl and cover that and just, you know, have that kind of on my resume, you know, was, was so super cool. Um, the other Colts memory I'll share with you is the day that I got to do my first NFL television broadcast. Okay. Um, and, and all of us that do this, you know, you have, you have an ego somewhere. Um, I, I, I do a good job of tempering it and, and hiding it, but, you know, I, I, I think I do a good job of what I do, and I, I love when people tell me that. And, and when there's a big audience watching, and to be able to broadcast an NFL preseason game, the first one I did, was the Colts and Niners, uh, week three of 2018. There are 32 of those gigs in the country. Yeah. And when I was able to get one of them after kind of being at this for over 20 years, that is very much a sense of pride for me. So uh-huh. sitting there in the same booth that, you know, that Jim Nance and Tony Romo or Gus Johnson or Joe Buck, whatever the case may be, in the network broadcast booth, I get to use that a couple of times a year. And when the Indy 11 played home matches in Lucas Oil Stadium, I got to use that too, you know, for, you know, for, for, for three years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, that's, that, that's a point of pride for me. Then it it is almost, there is one state championship that stands out for me, but I always get a thrill when I am broadcasting a state championship. And obviously this is going to resonate with you because I realize that I get to be a part of the soundtrack of people's memories. Mm -hmm. And I have lost count at this point in terms of how many state finals I have broadcast on radio or television. It is over 200 at this point. But I know that in people's memories, you know, somewhere, you know, my voice is a very small part of that in terms of describing the atmosphere. And and here's the best example I can give you. So when the Kings of Indiana movie comes out, you know, a couple, three years ago, Uh and like you hear my voice like 30 seconds in. Yeah, because it, it, it's describing kind of the buildup to the game against Marquette Catholic, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 I'm like, and, and I'm sitting there watching on the big screen. I'm like, hey, well, hey, that's your own voice. You know, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and and so that that extends to a lot of other state championships as well. But clearly, the favorite of those would be Lanesville winning the one A baseball state championship in 2017. Uh, watching the to, Eagles, watching the Eagles win at Victory Field. Right, because it, it, it sure beat the heck out of 52 weeks earlier. We barely got a hit uh-huh. uh, against Daleville. <laughs> and then we're runners-up in, in, in 2016. But in 2017, it, it, is, it is nerve-wracking in one sense because I am very cognizant of the fact that I am not there to broadcast the game for Lanesville folks. Yes. I am there to broadcast the game for everybody. Uh-huh. And that I have to be as fair and as balanced to the Rossville people and to the neutral fan as I have to be the Lanesville fan. Mm -hmm. And so while, you know, I could, we literally did this in 2016 when it was apparent Lanesville wasn't going to win. Producer says, literally, when we come back from break, we're just going to show a crowd shot. And we want you to name as many people as you possibly can. (laughs) And just put them into 30 seconds of shout outs and say hello to people. Uh Um, We didn't have to do that in 2017 because things were going well for the home team, if you will. And, uh, And on that game, I was actually the analyst. Yeah. And Mark Gaines, God bless him, because he had gone through something similar with being, you know, around and on the call when Monroeville, where he's from, mm-hmm. winning a football state championship, listening. As we get to the last half inning, he goes, you're going to call the last half inning. And so I said, okay, fair enough. 
So he hands it to me, and I open up by saying, folks, I have never been this nervous to call a state championship before. <laughs> and, and I look at Mark, and I said, if this thing goes sideways, I'm handing it back to you as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. and, and he just kind of started laughing. And so to, to be able to – to be able to, to have that moment and enjoy everybody from my hometown, um, but yet still feel like I did right by the folks in Rossville and right by the folks at the IHSAA. It, it's a cool moment, but I'm also very proud of the fact that, you know, the IHSA didn't kick me off of the Champions Network after that because I was still, you know, a respectable broadcaster to both sides. Yeah, the IHSA definitely brought you back, and you've done many more games. But just real quick, touch on the IHSA, because I know the IHSA catches a lot of flack for different decisions that they make and so on and so forth. But I know coaches, and, I, and you know what, I've got family that live in other states, and they, they just talk about how, I don't want to say how poor sometimes their, their state associations cover things and promote things, but you, you work hand-in-hand hand with the IHSA, and I think – they do a wonderful job of promoting high school sports in Indiana. So just kind of touch on that sure. and, and your involvement with the IHSA, Commissioner Knighty, and all the people that work up there. Sure. Well, I, I will say this. It, it goes back to the wonderful passion we have for high school sports. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so we have an audience to broadcast to. Yeah. And we have, in the case of, you know, basketball, volleyball, football, uh, baseball, wrestling, you know, we have sports that are on, you know, major broadcast cable television, uh-huh. you know, that a lot of states don't have that opportunity. So, first of all, it starts with, with the wonderful fans across the state, whether they're a fan of a particular team or not, that want to see, you know, their young, you know, male and female student athletes have a platform like the one that they have. And then it comes to the IHSAA having built relationships over so many decades where they get to have state championships in places places like Gamebridge Fieldhouse and Lucas Oil Stadium and Victory Field and all of the other wonderful venues that we get to call home. I mean, if, if you look at where virtually every state championship is played, you're talking about the top level of professional sport that is played in this state, or you're talking about a wonderful college venue um, and in some cases, ones that are used for, you know, NCAA national championships. So that obviously makes things, you know, it, it looks great when you're able to watch this from a broadcast perspective or be there, you know, from a fan perspective. Mm-hmm. And so then, then, then finally, once you have those combinations and factors in play, then the IHSAA invests in having a platform in which to showcase broadcast from state championships. And now that has included to postseason matches and postseason tournaments and regular season games and allowing, you know, high schools the chance to broadcast their own things that are a part of the IHSA Champions Network. And whether that is professional broadcasters like me doing it or it's young aspiring broadcasters like students that do things like that, where both of those can kind of sit side by side and you have the opportunity to kind of, you know, if if your community is going to have a student broadcast and that's it, well, still you have a broadcast. You have a way for fans that you know, that are you know that that are from there and may live in a different state or for whatever reason can't make the game. They can still stay connected by being able to watch that game. Yeah. If you if you're in a place like here in Indianapolis where you know again we can sell a few commercials, we 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 got a we got a big audience, we can make some money doing this. We have that opportunity to do that as well. So. Um, there's a lot of great people I work with the IHSA. You mentioned Paul Knight and Chris Kaufman, uh, everybody at the assistant commissioner level. Chris is the one that I work with more directly. Jason Willie, who handles sports information. He's Shanahan, uh, that is director of broadcasting for the IHSAA. I work with a lot of good people. Uh, and, and believe me, w- what I do with the IHSAA in my mind is on par with what I do with the Colts and what I do with the Indy 11 and what I do with IUPUI. Uh, because as you see on my Twitter handle, you know, you don't have to go very far before you see my role with the IHSA Champions Network. I am very proud of that. Absolutely. Greg, you know, you talked about being in this business for, you know, almost a quarter century or over. What advice would you give a young person that's wanting to go into media and potentially work themselves to the point that you're at in the business what piece of advice would you give a young person that's pursuing that as a career? Go do something else. You'll make more money. Would be the first thing I would tell people. Uh, you no, know what? I, that, I knew... The funny part of that is every 
just about every coach that that I've interviewed yep. uh, has had that piece of advice. <laughs> the, the the thing is, is that is that it's we all do this because we love it and because it's a passion play for us. And yeah. believe me, if, if I was not a broadcaster, I would frankly be a teacher and coach. I'd, yeah. I'd be I'd be I'd be a history teacher and I'd be coaching. I'd probably be coaching multiple sports. Uh-huh. Uh, and so that's why I think I've got such a good relationship with coaches because I get it and and we have a very similar mindset yes. and in terms of and the love of what we do. Um, but, but if this is a, a habit, you can't kick, you're like, you know what, this is what I want to do for a living. Um, get, and you have much more of an opportunity now than you did when I was in school 30 years ago. Trust me, we weren't big enough to have a high school radio station. Uh-huh. So I'd pester people that did and see if I could find a way to sneak onto their broadcast. Yeah. Or I'd go work down at WOCC in Corden, uh, and, and queuing up records on Saturday afternoon or around my schedule, you know, if, if I could find the time. And so, if you think broadcasting is for you, and if you're a high school student, find a way to be involved in broadcasting your high school sporting events. And it doesn't have to be the basketball game. Mm-hmm. The volleyball team would love some coverage. Yeah. The wrestling meet would love some coverage. The swimming meet would love some coverage. The track and field kids. doesn't have to be just the ones we all think about, whether Southern Indiana, that's basketball, yeah. other parts of the state, basketball and football. Anything that your high school does from a sports standpoint – is an opportunity for you to learn and hone your craft. And I'm very lucky that I get to do a lot of different sports because over the years I have done a lot of different sports. I have kind of learned on the job. We, we get to this point a year where I'm almost all basketball here about three or four weeks, nothing but it's four or five nights of, of basketball a week, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah. But in the fall, I get to do a mixture of volleyball and soccer and football, and, and, I, and I enjoy doing each and every one of those sports. So uh, it, it, it's, you know, my favorite sports quote is Ben Hogan, the secret's in the dirt, mm-hmm. and that is the answer to how you learn how to hit a golf ball. In other words, keep swinging, keep hitting. Same thing as far as broadcasting, the uh-huh. secret's in the dirt. Just go do it, and you'll 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 find your way as you go along in terms of what your style, what your voice is, how to hone your craft. You know, keep putting in the reps, and, and good things will happen. Well, to that point, Greg, I think there are so many more opportunities for kids to do things like yep. that today. Whether it's the Bari Media class that Mike is in charge of, that uh, helps with this podcast that that Mike and Dr. Madison have worked on to to get going, um, or or just simply social media. Um, I just think there's a lot of different things that kids can do, and you made a lot of really good points there. Yeah, you don't have, again, you don't have to have a radio station. You don't have to have a campus TV station anymore. You can create it with a laptop and an iPhone at mm-hmm. this point, and that can be both a good thing and a bad thing. You know, there, there are some <laughs> yeah. negative too. A little yeah. less filters uh, now than, than there used to be, and that's something that you know you have to learn along the way. And hopefully, you've got good mentors and 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 good people guiding you, like Mr. DeCourcy and and, yeah. and Travis and some other people that you talked about. But no, if 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 there is a need, if there is an opportunity, rather inexpensively from a technology standpoint, you can figure out a way to get it done. Yeah. You know that 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 is the point this has gotten to. It's just a matter of are you willing to put in the man hours and put in the work. And and the other bit of advice I will give you is this. If you want – and this is not to be in broadcasting. This certainly works for coaching, whatever the case may be. If you want to work in sports, one of the first things I tell people or ask them is, okay, tell me when sports are played. Yeah. The general answer is nights and weekends. Mm-hmm. Okay, If you're going to work in sports, that means you are working. <laughs> a lot of other folks are going to this – to have fun yes. or to have a night out or yeah. to spend time with their friends. Yeah. Again, it's great when you get to combine your passion with what you do, but just know you're going to be sacrificing a lot in terms of nights and weekends and free time. And when the rest of the world is, is, is packing up, is, is leaving in the, in the middle of the fourth quarter because the game's decided – you're done at the end of the game. You're likely tearing down equipment after the game. You're getting there way before the game to set up your gear, et cetera, talk to coaches, whatever the case may be. Again, I don't have a real job, but I also don't go out drinking, you know, beer with my buddies on a regular basis. Yeah. My golf season is like about, like about six weeks long. Uh, you know, it's, 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 you know it's, it's, it's nights and weekends, a lot of time away from your family as well. So that's the one thing that I tell people, hey, I want you to consider this before you then launch a career in this. And if you still think, you know what, this is my passion, this is what I want to do, then God bless you, and I'm always here to help you. No, that's great. Well, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is you've got so many irons in the fire. You do a tremendous job 
with, with everything, and you do a great job of balancing all that stuff and, and family time like you talked about. I think it was Thursday night. You got a night with the family. But what is next for Greg Rickstraw? Well, I mean, as far as project, what is it that you want to do that maybe you haven't done? You know, for, for me, um, Monon Bell was one of those. Mm-hmm. And, there, and, and I like starting something from scratch because that way you kind of get to build it how you want to and, yeah. and kind of how you see fit. And, yeah. you know, kind of the, the pioneering entrepreneurial spirit, you know, about it. You know, I, I, I dig that, making something from nothing. Yeah. I, I, that's always something that, that has appealed to me. You know, as, as far as what's next for me, people have always asked, you know, hey, are you going to go national? And I go, I don't think so. I mean, mm. this is home. Mm. This is, this is, this is somebody that grew up in a, in a one exit, no stoplight hometown. Indianapolis is plenty big enough for me. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's, I, I think because I, I claim dual citizenship status between Lanesville and Indianapolis, <laughs> it's part of why I, I have kind of a statewide view and I really embrace the entire state uh-huh. in terms of what we do from a coverage standpoint and, like I like going to places I've never been to to do games before. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I have, I used to have a map in my old office, the, the IHSA map. And I would have highlighted every, every team I have done, every place I have been to. I've since lost that map, but I think out of the 400 ish member schools, I'm probably about 250, 260 yeah. in terms of different teams that I have done. So like one of the passion projects that I'll, I'll do at some point, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, Lord willing, is that I am going to try to attend a game in all 92 counties during the course of one year. Wow. And whether that is, whether that is broadcasting, whether that is simply documenting them in, in terms of like a, a, a web log, travel log, maybe I'll get like the Madden Cruise real sponsor, make it like a whole RV thing you know, across <laughs> the state of Indiana uh, and, and do something like that. I could but, see you rolling kind of, something like that in a big RV I, with I, your, your face painted on the side of it. I could see it. I'm not, well, I, don't, I, don't, I think I'd take my face off the side of it, uh, but, <laughs> but, but I am the son of a truck and a bus driver. You could see me driving that thing, no problem, uh, and, and, and be fine. Um, but that's something I would like to do. Um, in terms of – jobs where I'm at now, there's only a couple, three kind of in state that I'm like, Hey, I'd love to have a crack at that. Whenever the person that is there is retiring. And that's kind of one of the things that you deal with in our industry. Uh And I'm sure people kind of think that about me, that this guy's never going away. He's going to be here for 20, 25 years. And so you kind of have to have the luck of timing and, and, and bide your time. And sometimes that means that opportunity isn't going to work out the way you hoped it did. So I, I see myself staying here, and honestly, if, if I'm doing what I'm doing now, 10, 15 years from now, I'll be very happy about that. Well, one project that I want you to keep on your radar is um, a really good friend of mine, Mark Morin, is the head coach over at Medora. And yep. uh, God bless his soul because he, he does a great job over there and, and works with those kids. Um, but uh, he and his dad have bought into this semi-pro league and they have a team called the Southern Indiana Timberjacks. Yep. And I would love, I would love this spring to go and broadcast a Timberjack game with you uh, live from Medora High School. So as, I want, some, as somebody that has played in Medora High School, yep. I'm all, I would be all about that. So I remember my dad drove the bus back when Medora played at Heltonville. Yeah. So I have been to Heltonville to watch them play before they built their current gym which was finished in 1987. I was uh-huh. there one of the first games they played in there. You know, you, you know, it's, it, it's bad when Medora thinks Lanesville's too big for them and drop <laughs> Lanesville off the schedule. Hamilton did the same thing over the course of the last couple of years as well. So if yeah. we can find a way to broadcast a Timberjacks game, I will love to have you as my color analyst. I'd love to do that. <laughs> I would love to partner with you on that. Well, Greg, uh, we've had you on here. I know you're, extremely busy i know you got to get your son to school so we're going to go through our speed round and um you just give me the first thing that comes to your mind and uh we'll uh, we'll make this quick and and uh, allow you to get on your way on your busy morning but greg uh, of all the gyms that you've been in in the state of indiana what's your favorite high school gym slash venue to to broadcast from 
Arsenal Tech. It's built like a horseshoe. I've seen so many great city championship and sectional championship games. Arsenal Tech's campus, you can see the skyline of downtown. He's like 10, 15 minutes away from a walking standpoint, five from a driving standpoint. The Tech campus honestly reminds me of the University of Evansville campus. Okay. They're built very similarly to Tech High School. Okay. I've always wanted to catch a city championship game and, and, and go there to that gym. So that's awesome. Um, favorite professional sports team not named the Indianapolis Colts? I won't, put, I won't put you on the spot there, but your favorite professional sports team that you follow. So, so the team that, that, that I will say that I don't broadcast that I still get to follow as a fan would be the Cincinnati Reds. Um, the, you know, and, and so it's now been 31 years and counting since our last championship. Although now that they're going back into cost-cutting mode again, and because Tucker Barnhart is a legitimate friend, being from Brownsburg and being like an avid listener of 107.5 The Fan and Indy, uh-huh. I it literally came in the mail yesterday because I have a special order of my gear because I have a Sputnik-sized head. I have like an <laughs> eight-fitted cap. I just got the old D, the old English Detroit Tigers hat, came in the mail yesterday. So I don't think I'm switching my fandoms. But I'm questioning things a little bit because I'm not sure I can go through another Reds rebuilding process again. So I've been to Detroit, their new stadium, but you talk yeah. about regrets. Um, my uncle and my aunt and uncle, they live in Chelsea, Michigan. And my uncle always wanted me to come up when I was a kid during the summer to take me to Old Tiger Stadium. And I always found some reason not to end up going up there. But you talk about regrets. Not going to Old Tiger Stadium is definitely one of them for me. Um, let's say you, you get a free night. It's probably not going to be on the weekend with you covering sports the way you do, but you get a free night. You're taking your wife out to eat up there. Where are you guys going? You know the answer to this one, St. Elmo's. <laughs> and, and, and so, so literally, so so I'll tell a backstory here. We're, we're Josh and I often catch up at media days, you know, because he leads his team to the state championship every year. It's what he does at Bar Reef High School. Through, uh, you know, on the way through Lanesville, you know, of course, on the way to get there. Yeah. So we're sitting here talking the Monday, and because of the delay in the state finals this year, like about 10, 12 days out in the actual state championship. So he's talking about, hey, you know, the guys are wanting to go to Elmo's. And I'm like, well, they're not open. I said, but I said, there's literally the, the kind of their spinoff, their sister restaurant in Harry and Izzy's is just, just down the street. And, and what Josh doesn't know is that I happen to have like a couple hundred dollars in gift cards in my wallet because there's some of the things I do for Wish TV. I'll make appearances on shows, and they have me these gift cards, and I literally don't have the time. They just like sit there and collect dust. I'm like, I would much rather give this to a friend of mine and and let he let him treat his staff in terms of you know enjoying their day in Indianapolis. And so I said, listen, I said, you can get there in like 10, 15 minutes, go take your staff. And then, and I hand them these, and I, and I, and I, I don't think I was, I think I'm only, I hand you the AGF card, but not all of them yeah. is in the back of my mind. I'm like, I'm going to try to join you and try to cover this entire tab that we could. Yeah. So me and you and your staff had a wonderful lunch at Harry and Izzy's on 86th street, um, you know, earlier this year, and that was a blast. And you, of course, then happened just to sit in the section where my buddy Bashir, who, much like yourself, is also a state championship winning coach, yeah. a soccer coach formerly at Zionsville, and Cardinal Ritter uh, was there waiting on you, and we had ourselves a heck of a time, oh. and uh, and that was a lot of fun. That was fantastic, and and it, and it all played out so well, and and that's one of the great memories that we'll have from that run, especially my staff and I, and. Those guys talk about that all the time. But, you know, with everything being so difficult last year and, and all the protocols that we had to fight through, I mean, it, it literally felt like when you walked out of the door in the morning, you were fighting a lion and a bear right. every single day. So I wanted to treat those guys, and I wanted to do something like that, maybe take them to St. Elmo's. And then you ended up picking up the tab for us. And so we get in the car, and uh, it was hilarious. I think it was Craig Knapp. My freshman coach, he said, well, Coach, coach since uh, Greg picked up the tab, he said, you still owe us dinner somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. And so now you'll have to take him to actually the St. Elmo's show. Yes. So Elmo's is is uh, the, the menu at Harry and Izzy is a little more expanded than St. Elmo's. But, like, even, like, I'll take Amy to Harry and Izzy. She's like, hey, this is nice. I want the real thing. So, like, literally for her birthday, which was about six weeks ago, reservations at the original, the 119-year-old 
St. Elmo's in downtown Indianapolis. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, that, that sounds like a fantastic time. And I need to get my wife up there um, and, and take her out to some place like that. But, no, I definitely appreciated you doing that for us. Last question I got for you. So <clears throat> I'm sure you help out a lot around the house. Uh, I know you're getting ready to take the, the little one there to school here in just a little bit. Um, what's your least, the least favorite thing that your wife has you do around the house? Let's see here. Uh, that's the joy of not being here. I get to avoid a lot of this stuff. <laughs> you know, it's 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 kind of odd. Like Amy and I will like almost like reverse roles. So like I'm the one that like gets the, the kids' lunches ready. Yeah. I'm always the one that's washing the dishes. I'm always the one that's that's sweeping the floors. Uh-huh. Um, you know, but like if there's like any sort of repair work outside of the house, it's my wife is often the one that does that. So okay. I'm not sure there's anything that is my least favorite. Uh-huh. But in our business, we have this thing called dumb talent. In other words, like when it comes to television, don't let the talent touch the cabling or the cords or try to set anything up yeah. because disaster is, 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 is going to happen. And so my wife has like this dumb talent limitation on me. She's like, hey, you know, I, I, I didn't marry Mr. Fix-It. I married the guy that will work an extra job to hire Mr. Fix-It. So when it comes to any sort of massive repair job, I tap out and I just go pay somebody and we get the job done that way. That's awesome. Well, Greg, this has been a blast. Um, you know, um, I just, I just love listening to your stories. Um, I love following you on social media, watching what you're doing. You're involved in so many different things, but the thing that I love the most about you is your broadcasts, especially with high school sports are all about the kids and the promotion of high school athletes. And I can't thank you enough as a, as a coach uh, to someone in the media that, that promotes kids the way you do. So thank you for all that you do. Well, it's very kind of you to say, and again, you know, while not being able to play on a, on a statewide stage when I was a high school athlete, you know, growing up in a town where the high school was everything and whatever sport was being played that night was the biggest deal in town. You know, I, I am there to help, make the show better. I'm not there to be the show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it, my job is to, you know, provide the platform to let more people know about what these great young men and women are doing. So the fact that you say that, A, it means the world to me, but B, it also lets me know, know I'm doing my job. So that's wonderful to hear. Well, Greg, hopefully uh, I get to see you down the road this season. Um, hopefully it's extended into the postseason. And then uh, I'd really love to do that Timberjacks game with you uh, in, in well, the spring. So hopefully we can get that set up. So I will let I'll let the Vikings fans know the first time I will have Bar Reeve this year is once again the Forum Tip Off Classic, when Bar Reeve takes on Central Noble and Connor Asijan at Southport Fieldhouse, December 11th. ISCSportsNetwork.com is where you're gonna be able to find that, and then hopefully I'll see you again at some point in time in March, if not sooner. Absolutely, Greg. You and the family take care, and we will see you down the road uh, at Southport. You got it, Bo. Thanks a lot, man. Well, we hope you enjoyed this week's edition of Checking It for the Cheap Seats. Next week, join us. Special guest, David Burkett, South Knox Spartans. Coach Burkett's looking to have a big season with the Spartans, and we are excited to have him on. We're going to talk a lot about growing up in Greene County. We're going to talk about Bloomfield basketball, we're going to talk about the legend Ron McBride, and we're going to talk about his Spartans. So make sure you tune in next week as we host David Burkett, head coach of the South Knox Spartans. Join us then.